God so loved the world that he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so God is at work right now in our world trying to save the world. But, but his followers may be caught up interrupting what God is doing because they want to know what's more, you know, what, what's the answer to their anxiety? What's the answer to their problem? Uh, what, what's the answer to what to their interest? And so I think we can easily become like Peter, Thomas, Judas, uh, and Philip here, where we may be interrupting and not noticing the calling to love one another. Hello, and welcome to the Orange County Church of Christ audio sermon. Today is week four of a seven-week series based on the book, A Crown That Will Last, written by Michael Burns. Our lesson today will be led by Martin Chavez, who serves in the Orange County Ministry. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Let's get started. Good morning, Orange County Church of Christ. Uh, my name is Martin Chavez. Uh, today we are continuing our study uh, out of the book, A Crown That Will Last. Uh, today's lesson is the covering of love our identity in Christ, the covering of love, our identity in Christ. So we are in week four. We are in week four of seven. Uh, and so we are literally right in the middle of it all. And I think it's very fitting, perhaps even intentional, the right in the middle of the seven-week study is a study and an emphasis on love. Because without love, I think it would be impossible for us to be faithful and to participate uh, in the points that were made in the, in the first three lessons. And I think it would be impossible for us to be faithful and to participate uh, in the next three points uh, if we are not people who allow themselves to be loved by God. If we are not people who love God unconditionally and we love others just like God is loving us and so love here is the cornerstone I think of our entire study and so what I want to do today is one I want to connect our content today uh, with the previous three and I'll do that briefly and I want to connect our content today with our daily personal study from the book that's coming up this week. Amen. So week one uh, was uh, the purpose of image bearers. Uh, it, without love, it would be impossible for us to be image bearers uh, because God, first and foremost, is first John chapter four, verse eight. God is love. And if God is love, then to be image bearers, we need to be people who are loved and who love. And so we need to be people who are allow themselves to be loved by God. We need to be people who love God unconditionally. And we need to be people that love one another just as God is loving us. And if we do that, then we will be able to participate in our purpose of image 
bearers. But without love, we are disrupting, disturbing the image bearers. We cannot be bearers of the image of God if there is hatred in our hearts, if there is discrimination in our hearts, uh, if there is bitterness and resentment, all of those things will mutate our image and we will not be able to bear the image of God. And so love is the key ingredient, if you would, to participate in our purpose as image bearers. And God, we, number two, God is in mission. And God is in mission together all nations. And we learned in Ephesians that this is the mystery of Christ, that God is reconciling Gentile and Jew uh, and bringing them under his reign. Uh, and that that mystery of Christ is God's mission in the world. Uh, and without love, how can we participate in that overwhelming mission uh, to bring in all nations uh, under uh, God's reign? That, that's impossible without love. And week number three, the task to be all things to all people. Without love, it's impossible to have uh, the necessary humility uh, to love those we don't like so much. Uh, and so how can we be all things to all people without, without love? How can we have the humility to try and understand other cultures? How can we have the humility uh, to empathize with others' needs and hurts uh, if we don't have Love and so love is the 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 first move that is necessary for us to fulfill the previous three points and the next three. Amen. So I hope that I hope that you see that. Now, this week, tomorrow we begin day twenty-two, and so I want to read uh, the titles of our daily studies for this week. Uh, as a way to encourage you and remind you of how important this week is in our seven-week study, right? So day 22, love one another. Day 23, all God's people. Day 24, second-mile love. Day 25, I love everyone. Day 26, without love. Day 27, I didn't expect that. Day 28, the covering. And again, I want to read it here and kind of be a little intentional about it because as I keep mentioning, it is crucial, I think, for us uh, to engage in the content this week because it's very relevant and is very helpful to us. Amen. Um, so day 22, love one another opens with John chapter 13. And day 28, the covering closes with John 21. And so the Gospel of John is going to be the content of our study today. I know. I know. I felt the same thing. Uh, I know what you're thinking. We just spent 
two weeks or no, two months, maybe more on the Gospel of John. Uh, but we can't complain about the Gospel of John, people, come on. Uh, and so let's go back to the world of the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, and we'll draw out our content for our study today, and then we'll be able to take, take communion. Uh, amen? So those are the moves here that we are making. We're emphasizing the importance of love on the entire study, and how without love, uh, we are not able to faithfully participate in all of the life and mission that God is calling us to participate in. Amen? All right, so let's go to John chapter 13, okay? Uh, John chapter 13. So Jesus has just finished washing the feet of his disciples. Uh, his public ministry in the Gospel of John uh, has come uh, to an end, and now the entire Gospel narrows on uh, the next few days. Uh, and in verse, in chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus begins uh, kind of his discourse, his farewell discourse, his, his speech that sort of uh, is going to wrap up everything that has happened uh, and everything that is about to happen. And he wants to prepare his disciples. And so from the beginning of this sermon, his first move, his first focus is a new command, which is what? To love one another. And so John thirteen thirty four he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so he's saying, as you look back, why is our, our group and my ministry different and unique? Because of our love for one another. And as you start thinking ahead, how will people know that you really belong to me? By how you love one another. So not by the miracle making, not by the preaching or the style or whatever other uh, ingredient or superficial or a gift or talent. Um, he's saying it is our relationships. It is our genuine love for one another. How I love you will need to be a reflection of how you love one another. Without loving one another, the way that I love you, no one will know that you are my disciples. And so think about how vulnerable that is for Jesus, that he's laying out, uh, handing off uh, his ministry, <laughs> uh, hoping, risking that perhaps the world will not know who he is because the disciples may very likely not be able to love one another or choose not to. And so we see Jesus' love in action right here. He's being vulnerable because love is vulnerable. He's taking a risk because love involves taking risk. And he's allowing himself to suffer because when you love, you suffer. And this is what Jesus is doing, calling them to this standard 
of love and letting them know this is how you need to love each other. And this is how people will know that you are my disciples. So he continues and all of his speech is uh, connected by passages and commands of love. So for example, we move to John chapter 15 uh, in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just to have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. So, the final discourse of Jesus revolves around God's love for us, our need to love one another just like how God is loving us. But what happens? Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. And Pilate ends up condemning Jesus to death. So did love win? And so that's sort of the, 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 the tension that exists in what we're gonna what we're reading here today. Let me get back to that in just a second. As Jesus is sharing the expectation of love on four different occasions, four different people interrupt Jesus. So as he's talking about loving one another, they interrupt him. So uh, when Jesus finishes saying that, you know, by this all men will, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, quickly in verse 36, Simon Peter interrupts Jesus and asks, Lord, where are you going? So Jesus answers that and he continues and then he moves on there in chapter 14 to let them know, do not let your hearts be troubled. You, uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas interrupts and says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? So then Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then Philip interrupts, Lord, show us the father. And that will be enough for us. So then Jesus, uh, you know, continues his speeches, answers um, Philip there. And then Judas, not Iscariot, not the traitor, but the other Judas interrupts Jesus again. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Uh, why am I reading this? Jesus is talking about the importance of love. Jesus is revealing God to the disciples. And Jesus is laying out, you know, um, the challenges that are coming ahead. 
And the solution to all of those challenges is love. But that was not sufficient for the disciples. They are worried about the how. They are worried about the where. They are worried about the why. But they're missing the point. They're missing what Jesus is saying. And so they keep interrupting him almost as if they're not that interested in the, the, the fact that Jesus is letting them know how much they're loved by God. It seems that they're not very interested in, in Jesus letting them know that they need to love one another just as Jesus has, has loved them. They are interested in other things. They're so worried about, uh, you know, other superficial things. And I think in some ways... Their interruptions, their focus, and their interests are, I think, are a little bit a reflection of where we may be as a church. Where God is probably in this moment of high tensions, of hostility even, of divisions, of, of chaos, of anxiety, of need, uh, uh, of hunger and all these different things that are happening all around us. Uh, and, and, and with everything that's happening in, 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 in the politics in our, in our country, we can be like the disciples, so focused on, well, what is right? What is truth? What is that? And, and we can be, enter this, this, this worldly uh, mindset uh, and be in debate mode and miss what God is doing and what God is calling us to. Well, what is, God, what is God doing? God so loved the world that he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so God is at work right now in our world trying to save the world. But, but his followers may be caught up interrupting what God is doing because they wanna know What's more, you know, what, what, what's the answer to their anxiety? What's the answer to their problem? Uh, what, what's the answer to what to their interest? And so I think we can easily become like Peter, Thomas, Judas, uh, and Philip here, where we may be interrupting and not noticing the calling to love one another. Jesus allows himself to be interrupted. He answers, but then he gets back to this narrative of the importance of the command to be loved by God and to love one another just like God is loving us. And that's the point for today. Let's allow ourselves to be loved by God Let's allow ourselves to be called to the expectation of loving one another just as God is loving us. And let's note the things that may be hindering us from fulfilling and participating in the expectation of love in our lives. I know many of us are having... Uh, political 
uh, conversations and discussions, whether one-on-one -on -one or publicly. Uh, just be wise. Uh, consider what you're saying. Um, consider uh, that if your statements are coming from a place of love or they're coming from a place like Peter, Philip, Thomas, or Judas, where they're simply interested in their little world and their views and their perspectives, but not so much interested in the overall God trying to seek and save the world. I hope that makes that makes sense. And again, the upcoming content of this week, I think it's going to help us to be great reminders of how we need to love one another, uh, of how God loves God's people, of how, uh, you know, the dangers of living without love and the surprises that God gives us when he calls us uh, to love one another. So in there, uh, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, don't be troubled. I'm preparing a place for you and I'm coming back for you. So in some ways, this is kind of like part two of our study. So historically, we have interpreted verse chapter 14. Uh, don't be troubled. I'm making place. I'm preparing a place for you and I'm coming back for you. Historically, we have interpreted that as heaven one day. Once we die, there will be a place for us uh, or, you know, the second coming of Jesus. We're going to receive all those things. Historically, that's how we've interpreted uh, chapter 14, verse 1 and on. And yeah, we can hold on to that. But I want to add a, another interpretation uh, that maybe uh, is not just that future, but it's also Jesus was talking about when he raises from the dead, when he rises from the dead, when he says, I'm coming back for you, he's not just talking about the second coming. He's talking about when I raise from the dead. So in just a few days. And when he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he's talking about um, that they are going to belong to this Christian community. And, and I hope that that makes sense. And so his words in chapter 14 are fulfilled when he rises from the dead. And so what does Jesus do? He comes back for them. Though they had scattered, he comes back for them. And then he rejoins them. And now they have the community of Christianity that they can belong to. I think that's important for us because no matter what happens, no matter what decisions uh, are made in our world, we have a place where we belong, and that is the community of Christ. That no matter what happens, we have a God who is constantly coming after us 
and bringing us back into a relationship with him. And that kind of love and that kind of commitment needs to humble us. That God is so loving and so humble and so vulnerable and so patient with us that he's constantly picking up our mess and bringing us back into a relationship with him and to a Christian faithful community. But why do all these mess occurs in Christianity and in the church? Because we can take the attitudes of Peter, Philip, Thomas, and Judas and be so self-focused on our interest, on our personal concerns, on our views that we can, again, interrupt the overall work of God. And we find God to be patient with us and we find God bringing Philip back and bringing Peter back and bringing Thomas back and bringing Judas back, right? Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, not Judas Iscariot, the other Judas. And so even though they were distracted, even though uh, they were not interested in loving God, post-resurrection, Jesus appears to them reconciles them to God's self and reconciles them to each other. So what's going to happen after our election? What's going to happen? God's going to bring us back into a faithful relationship with him. Uh, and God is going to provide a place for us. So let's not make God's work so difficult in the church. Let's make sure that we embrace first and foremost this new command to love one another just as God is loving us. So my number one interest as a Christian, your number one interest as a Christian is to fulfill the command to love one another just as God is loving us. That is the first and the primary uh, uh, interest that we need to have. That was not the interest of Peter. So he goes on to deny Jesus. That was not the interest of Thomas. So he stays back, doesn't really show up after the resurrection. You know, and just he starts to doubt until he encounters Jesus again. And that can be that can be us. Let me say one more thing before we take we take communion. When he's interrupted by Philip, Jesus answers, saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. And again, in our Christianity, we have emphasized and have prepared our faith to prove and to answer that Jesus is truth, uh, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is truth, and Jesus is the life. And, and we have uh, historically, generally speaking, Christianity has become very good 
at proving or debating uh, that in fact Jesus is the only way, that in fact Jesus is the only truth, and that in fact Jesus is the only life, right? And so Christianity uh, has really equipped us, or we've equipped Christianity to focus on those three things and how important that is. However, those may be important, but you know that that was said because Jesus was interrupted, so he had to answer one of those questions. But those three were not the emphasis of Jesus. The emphasis of Jesus was love one another as I have loved you. So I think historically and generally speaking, we have become a church that is really good at debating and trying to prove that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We need that. But in that, we have become better at this than we have become better at the overall message of God, which is love one another deeply. And so we tend to have a Christianity that is good at debating, but not a great Christianity that is good good at embracing those who are different. Why is that important? For many reasons, right? It was the main point of Jesus. But also, I hope you understand that our world has changed. Let me give you an example. Many of us became Christians in college, in the campus ministry. And in those days, you can walk up to anyone and say, do you go to church? Would you like to study the Bible, right? You can kind of go up to anyone, ask those questions, make that invitation, and that drew up a conversation. In 2020, we have generations, new generations of college students who have never gone to church, who have never read the Bible. So when you go on campus today and you ask, do you go to church? Do you want to study the Bible? That's not possibly going to be the best starting point to connect with someone because going to church and Uh, Reading the Bible is not going to be a reference point uh, for many of the current college students. Okay, so let's put all this together. So historically, if the church is really good at debating and proving that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, but the church is now living in a world where those things are not even an interest or a desire, and even as good and as as powerful and as convicting that those evidence might be, they're irrelevant to someone who's not used to or has no interest in those things. And so we have historically have become really good at this debate, but now in some ways it's irrelevant with new generations. What is relevant now? People are not going to church as much as before, right? Some have some are saying that we are in the post-Christian world, and that, in fact, may be true. Um, but at the same time, there's a huge desire for spirituality, for relationships, for community, 
for belonging, for justice, for fairness, for equality. These are all desires of the new generation. So it's not the, the, the message and the skill of the way, the truth, and the life that is going to reach this new generation. It is, in fact, the very thing that Jesus was saying the entire time. It is love for one another. That's where you will find community. That's where you will find belonging. That's where you will find forgiveness. That's when you can participate in the purpose of image bearing in the gathering of the nations and be able to empathize and learn uh, and be all things to all people. So it is love, in fact, the most necessary skill, strength, and, and ability that the church needs in order to maintain relevancy and impact in our world today. I hope that makes sense to you. Try to do my best to articulate all of those thoughts via online, uh, but I think uh, they're going to be very helpful to us. So, wow, thank you, Jesus, for making love the primary focus before truth, before what's right and what's wrong. It is love. And so I hope that in these times of high tension. I hope that our love is not growing cold because if it is, then perhaps that was the attack all along, that the church's love would grow cold. And so if your interest is more on politics and your partisan views than the love of God and the love that the church must have and display, then you are not participating at the end of the day in the way, the truth, and the life. It is love that gets us to the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Jesus, I think, is doing here in John. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, it's also a reference to what Judas is about to do, betray. So Jesus is saying, I am the way. Look what Judas is about to do. He's not the way. I'm the way. When Jesus says, I am the truth, it's a reference to what Peter is going to do, about to deny and lie. So Jesus is saying, I am the truth. Peter is not the truth. And so when Jesus says, I am the life, even though he's about to die, it's a reference to Pilate, Pilate's uh, political... Uh, you know, self-interest are not the life. I am the life. Now, when Judas denies uh, or betrays, uh, Peter denies and Pilate condemns, the disciples are left to in a panic. Oh my goodness, God was not powerful enough. We lost. But Jesus saying, remember, love one another. And, I, and that will lead you to the way, the truth, and the life. And so when Jesus rises from the dead, his first move is forgiveness. His first move is reconciliation. His first move is to bring everybody, bring everybody back. And he closes things out in John 21 by asking Peter, what's 
the way. What's the truth? What's the life? No, he says, do you, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Because love, it's going to win the day. So church, in this moment, is our love growing cold or is our love for one another increasing? What you decide determines that for you, for your family, and for your church. Your decisions will determine whether you bring about more love in your family, in your relationship with God, in the church, and for the world, or you're simply going to participate in the trail of Judas, in the trail of Peter, or even Pilate. I hope you choose the Jesus trail, the covering of love, that our identity is not in Judas' interest, is not in Peter's uh, fear, is not in Pilate's, Pilate's self-interest, that our identity is in Christ and our Christ loves. First John 4, 8, God is first, first and foremost love. Let's pray. Let's take communion and please do your best to engage this week in the content so that we can have a heart check about our love for God and our love for one another. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your love. Thank you for loving us. We want to continue to grow uh, as people um, as families, as ministries, as church, uh, to accept your unconditional love and help us to grow in our love for one another to the expectation that you have for us, that our love for one another is not tolerance, that our love for one another is not just putting up with each other, that our love for one another is selfless, is just as you love us, God. Help us to live out that high calling and help us to be relevant to the world's need and pain right now. The world needs people who know how to love, who know how to display love, Help us to not be a community that is uh, constantly in arguments or debates that help us to be a community that reflects the true God, the God who is love. Help us to love one another deeply. We take communion today, remembering the suffering and the pain at the cross and that that suffering and that pain was endured because of love. And so we think about our own sufferings and our own pain and our own anxieties and we seek to draw from the cross the ability to withstand the pain and the suffering but that too, our motivation would be love. And we remember the resurrection 
that you come back and you create a place, then in fact, we are in that place now, your church, and help us to guard, to protect, to love, and to serve your church by loving one another, because you are the God who rose from the dead and is now living and serving this world. We wanna faithfully participate in your salvation. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and look forward to being with you next week. You can find more information about our church on our website, occhurchofchrist.com. You can also watch live services on our Facebook and YouTube pages, which are also located on our website. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.